Hello there, I'm Jonathan Starkey, and I'm here with our regular panel of guests in your favorite digital pub in Cheshire. This is Cheshire Matters. And with us tonight, we have Mr. Stephen Ingram. Are you there, Stephen? I am Jonathan. Hello, team, and good evening, Cheshire. Thanks very much, Stephen. Mark, Statsman, are you there? I'm there. Hello, Jonathan, and hello to everyone in Cheshire and all our listeners. Everybody listen to that nighttime call of voice once again. Mm. And we move across to that slender man, the man they call the gazelle, the man that can move with grace from one side of the couch to the other. His name is Mr. Trevor Nichols. Are you there, Trevor? I certainly am, Jonathan, and good evening, Cheshire. Well, that's great. Well, it's nice to have you on again, gentlemen. And I am using the term loosely, as always. Now, a lot has been happening this week. And I've seen so much going on. And what I'd like to do is, for these few moments, and I mean just for these few moments, I'd like to contemplate the beginning of the end of the EU. Quiet in the studio, gentlemen. This is a serious point. You know it's happening. You can see all the news that has gone on. Just have a listen. Well, gentlemen, have you had time to reflect? Yes, I have, Jonathan. And I think it's probably the only funeral I would be glad to see. <laughs> Spoken like a true Brexiteer. It's happening, though. I mean, you see what they're doing? You see what they're doing with the vaccines? I mean, you know, does anybody else want to come in on that? Please do. Go ahead, Mark. It's not going well, is it? <laughs> is, that, is that the understatement of the week? The understatement of the week. I don't want to laugh because it's to do with the vaccines. But they're throwing the weight around a little bit, aren't they? Well, they are indeed. I mean, go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, just to add to that, Jonathan. I mean, uh, what, uh, about uh, 20 days, 30 days into the, uh, into the end of the period, and they're already showing the true colours, aren't they? Oh, I did you know. How many years have we set this? Are we going to be sending the boats out? Or are we waiting for the Armada to come to us before we start burning it? Exactly. Steve, go ahead. Thank you. I think it is a perfect example, a very sad one, actually, as Mark was indicating, that uh, an issue of health uh, across Europe and beyond has effectively demonstrated the failings of this organisation and um, under no circumstances do we want to be a, to be appearing to to gloat in any way. But what it has done 
is clearly demonstrates the ineffectiveness of the EU to react to a huge situation. And they are still dithering whilst this country has made significant progress in dealing with uh, a situation. Yeah. So I think it's it's very timely. You know, it's it's unfortunate the situation that's arisen to demonstrate the failings of the EU in, in this way. We as a country can at least be thankful, and we hope that everybody else, everywhere else, gets uh, their suitable remedies uh, forwarded to them. Likewise, in the same way. Can I bring Mark in there, please? Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, just just so we can explain this for the listeners, just in case they're not up on this story. Uh, the EU aren't happy because they haven't received their vaccines from AstraZeneca. Now, it appears on Wednesday, the EU Commission actually, I mean, I'm going to have to try and word this, but they raided a site, if you want to call it raided, of AstraZeneca in Belgium. You are kidding. Is that what was re- what was reported? That's what they call it, a raid of a site. Wow. Now, they've done this because they want to make sure that the EU vaccine stock hasn't been sold to other countries because they're under the illusion it's it's gone. Ooh. Go ahead, Steve. I find that sort of process from an organisation involved in the representation, supposedly, of uh, about 400 million people uh, to be appalling. It's reminiscent of very worrying, extreme thinking to be quite to be quite honest it is very very worrying yeah i get it i get it go ahead mark i mean i think this is more justification that we made the right decision to leave because what's happened is we've made our deal with astrazeneca and then some of the top countries in europe also wanted to make their deal and the eu said no we deal with it and they made a mess of it didn't they wow apparently they didn't they're not happy with the first come first served policy AstraZeneca have got. They said the British government came to us first, we're going to sort theirs out. And they said, no, no, we, we paid you up front. We, we don't want this first come, first served. They're even now, now trying to say that some of those vaccines in the sites in our country belong to them too. Right. And the thing is, the EU regulators haven't regulated the vaccine as it's not been approved. And now they're saying to some people, oh, we don't want the vaccine, it's not very good. And then they're stopping them from trying to ship it to us. And now they want it, they make up their minds. Is it good or not? I think they just made a massive mistake. And that just shows, I think we made the right move because independently we managed to deal with this situation, didn't we? Go ahead, Trev. Yeah, what they've done, they were highlighting today, the EU, we're saying that it's all in the documentation. And uh, they blacked out a couple of areas and they've, uh, they've said it was all in the documentation, which is just typical of the EU. I mean, all they tend to do, there's no action done. They just deal and fish out tons and tons of documents with no actual substance behind it. They just, they've done this for years and years. Well, this was the thing. It was, AstraZeneca are saying it wasn't a commitment. It was a promise of a best effort. That's to, right. To get this vaccine, the That's EU right. are just not accepting this at all. And it's, I just, they didn't specify any priority, AstraZeneca. But the way the EU were saying is they should be the priority. No, that's not the way it works. Anyone else got any views, Steve? Yes, I think what it emphasises and brings to the fore is the European Union is an overburdened bureaucracy and it's demonstrated in this situation its complete inefficiency and ineffectiveness. And that really, in in lots of different ways, in my view, has held not only this country back for, for decades but many other countries across across Europe. Has anyone seen how the media have reacted to this? There's been zero objectivity again. And kind of siding with the EU, especially Sky News and the likes. Trev? Yeah, I totally agree with that, Mark. Uh, and just before we go on with, the, with this particular subject, can I just... Um, we've had a lot of flooding, uh, certainly in the, the Warrington area. Um, and people are struggling with getting into getting into touch with it. Certainly, there's a lot of people that can't get insured because it's been a, a regular thing over the years. And I just wanted to highlight tonight that there's, there's a website out there that anywhere over Cheshire at all, Cheshire, Chester, Warrington, they've issued a... Uh, with the flood warnings being issued, they, they put out a website as well. And if I could just highlight it at all, in case anybody's suffering from any flood throughout the area, uh, it's called www.inyourarea.co.uk. 
And if you go to the flood section, it gives emergency funding for people who have not got or, or they can't actually get flood insurance. So it's worth checking out. So I just wanted to, to throw that in while we, you know, whilst we carry on with the other subjects. So it's, it's, it's www.inyourarea.co.uk. Go to the flood section. And hopefully that should um, well help people out. It should do. What's it like round your way, Trev? Because it's, it's, I've heard it's bad in Northwich and the shopping on the high yeah, street. Yeah, well, Northwich has been hit bad, yeah. Um, and Warrington is about, um, I'd say, about four areas that have just become unattainable. You can't get in the areas at all. So mm. uh, it's, it's all receded now, thank heavens. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously left people with a lot of problems with regards all the all the um the the, the goods are damaged etc yeah. and uh this, this you're gonna end up again with what always happens you've got uh, i can only speak for my area you see you've got you've got the united utilities that are throwing it back to warrington borough council and then when you get in touch with warrington borough council they tend to throw it back to united utilities you know the old chasing game tip for tap yeah now i've, I've just been Checking up tonight, who's actually responsible? And if you get, if if you if you're unfortunate enough to have, uh, it sounds like it's a horrible subject, but raw sewage that comes into your house via flooding, you can get in touch with the United, well, whoever your water authority is in your area, and they are actually obliged to obviously sanitise it and clean that out, whether they're insured or not. Obviously, they'll put you onto the insurance first, but if you're not insured, then you know, they still have a, a responsibility to do that. What you so know? that's something else that's, that's worth looking into. Any more updates from your, from your MP on the situation? Well, I've heard nothing off the Warrington North MP. I mean, I must say, I haven't personally contacted him. But a chat today, uh, well, yesterday it was, he said he'd been in touch with Andy Carter again, who's the Warrington South MP, and he hadn't had any uh, feedback at that particular time. So... I contacted Andy yesterday via, on behalf, I should say, sorry, for the resident, and he got back to me this morning at 10 o'clock. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm talking late last night, I contacted the, the office and I, I received an email this morning at 10 a.m. with a, a, a further website, which was um, unique to Warrington, so, and that comes from Warrington Borough Council. I mean, and, and that was, you know, literally a matter of hours, so read into that as you wish, I mean, but... I personally haven't contacted Charlotte Nichols, so I can't I can't comment on that. Sounds like Andy was deserving of our, of our awards last week. <laughs> well, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, now, have we had enough of that issue? Yes, yes, that's we clarified it. Okay, <laughs> so, so it's been sorted out, right? I wanted to bring up a few points. Now, one of the ones was a story that I saw from John Humphreys. You remember him of Mastermind and Radio 4? And he, the headline of the story said, let's not kid ourselves. The NHS does put a price on all our lives. And I think this was um, exploring the argument that went on between a lady who had stage 4 bowel cancer and Lord Sumption. And Lord Sumption was basically saying that there is a price put on life. And unfortunately, she turned around and said, well, what price do you put on my life? Or something of that nature. And it kind of put him in a very difficult position because what he was actually saying was that because he is older, he has less time. So his life is not as valuable as hers. And, you know, or somebody of a, who is younger. And I was trying to make sense, trying to make sense of what he said. And in actual fact, he's right, because governments put a price on our lives all the time. They do it every day. Every day. Would anybody like to come in on that and pass a comment on that? Mark, come on in. Well, there's some emergency situations and they have to decide policy, so I'm afraid they're going to have to. I mean, I was going to say remember when the Titanic sunk, but 
you're probably only young then. Um, so <laughs> thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. So I mean, who got on the lifeboats first? Mm. Mm. Women and children. There's going to be certain times where those decisions have to be made. Yeah, and that's just a tough reality of life and death. I'm afraid. And what I think what they did is they took what he was saying totally out of context and just concentrated on one little word he said rather than the whole situation. The context of the value statement. The value. One word. Mm. They've been doing it forever and a day. Governments have. They make decisions. I mean, they make decisions for us to go to war. And they know that so many people are going to die within that war. Yeah? That's what happens. Go ahead, Steve. Just a quick point in relation to what you're saying here. We, We quite often see stories in the media where fundraising takes place by members of the public for either a friend or a family member to um, access a treatment in another country because it's unavailable via the NHS here because of the cost involved. So it does happen. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Well, the other thing that uh, caught my mind... And my eye was another story about a mega billion insult to taxpayers. And that was foreign-owned firms borrowed hundreds of millions in cheap government loans to get through the pandemic. And then they doled out billions in dividends to the rich investors. Now, if ever there was a misuse of public money, then that has got to be it. I, I mean, uh, you know, there are, there are cases, reported cases of, say, for example, the U.S. owner of Boots, who, who gave its Italian boss a windfall of almost 50 million. 50 million during COVID. And, you know, the chemist drew 300 million from the bank's emergency scheme and paid, paid their boss 50 million. I mean, what the heck is all that about? I mean, why should the public foot those bills. I mean, a lot of companies did not even take the furlough payments for their people. They carried on paying the full wage, you know, within this country. So I don't, I, I don't think it's right that they should be utilizing public money simply just to actually be able to pay themselves massive dividends. And it, it leads me on to some of the other things, and which is another story that I saw about why the high street is dying off. And, you know, and you see the big, the big shops being sold off now, you know, that was once a part of the Arcadia empire. Well, they're saying that it's not just the times. What they're saying is, is that these people, they basically use private investment equity trusts and other private investment companies, they buy over these companies and then they leverage the value of them to borrow. And Philip Green's Arcadia Group is a, is a prime example. It's reported that they withdrew nearly $1.2 billion in dividends. So the company is then laid with heavy debt. I mean, massive, massive debt. And is it any wonder that they struggle to be able to survive during a pandemic like COVID? And then what happens? They get sold off for a pittance. They just go. And it just, it's strange because there just doesn't seem to be any kind of justice in that to me. And the only fellow that I think that is trying to get justice for certain things is, um, is a fellow that heads up the Good Law Project. And I'm, I'm hoping that if I'm correct, I've got the pronunciation of his uh, name. It's Joylan Morn of the Good Law Project. And I don't know, I think, I, I think I'll let Mark, you know, lead on this one and then take comments on the other financial situations from others. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, well, it might be easier if I just read some of their email out. That explains it and gets quite to the point. So it says, correspondence with the government has revealed that they expect to spend a staggering £1 million defending uh, the Good Law Project's judicial review of their decisions to award contracts criticised, well, by us and lots of people over the last few weeks to do with PPE, et cetera. That's this is a lot just, of money. Just in a quick explanation, is this mm-hmm. 
the government not coming clean and the good law yes. project forcing them to bring out the truth about what's been going on. Got it in one. It looks like the government don't really want to do this, so they're going to spend unlimited stacks of our money to stop it from happening. I just can't believe this. And how can the good law project compete with costs of that nature? Because they have to take into account that if they lose, they would have costs set against them. Oh, yeah. So if the government are ramping up those costs, then obviously then it makes it very difficult for them to actually take the case on pro you know, properly because a judicial review is, I don't know, somewhere between 100 to 300,000 pounds, something of that nature. And then as soon as you put it up to a million, wow, that becomes far more difficult to actually be able to take on. Steve, I give way to you. Go ahead. Big points on that. It's effectively a game of poker. It's, it's a financial threat. It's a form of intimidation to stop the action going forward, in my view. Yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is very simple, and that's what it is. And I, I don't, I, I don't see the reason why the government has to do that. I mean, why can't they just put? Uh, sorry, put the information out there. Go ahead, Mark. I give way. Yeah, I was trying to put this into words a second ago. They're using public purse to avoid accountability to the public. How cheeky is that? <laughs> They've got more front than bright now, be honest, haven't they? You know what I mean? And we're just letting them get away with it. Actually, that's true. And I do I do like what that, that, that guy's done. And I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. I mean, perhaps maybe we can invite him onto the show to maybe um, express himself. I think if, if anything, that man deserves a shout-out for the works that he does. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to give him a shout out, but you did. Now, maybe he's oh, quite sorry. busy. Well, then you can still give <laughs> no, him a shout out. That's <laughs> no, okay. You've done it. I no, shall I edit that quite... out of the program. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, leave him. No, I think he's probably a little bit busy with his um, with all his cases. Apparently, the government have got thirty to forty strong team working on this. You are joking. <laughs> no. <sighs> Imagine some of the wages these people are getting paid. Isn't it to stop the public from? Isn't it just a lot easier just to just to tell the truth? What is the problem? We're in a pandemic. You know, what is the problem? Just tell the truth on how much money's gone out. And then that way, then the public can make up their own mind because you can debate it. And if it stands the test of debate, then it stands. Go ahead, Trevor. I'll give way. Yeah, I think the public have already made up their own mind anyway about uh, the elements of truth that's coming from the government, haven't they? Yeah. Well, uh, it, it is. Whether it's this or whether it's statistics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit surprised. I'm a bit surprised again. In certain things, they get it so right, and in others, they don't. I mean, they have their, they even have their own MPs who are highly critical of them and saying, "When are we going to get out of lockdown? We need a plan. We need to get out." Go ahead, Mark. It was just touching back on the good law. It, uh, since July, they've been asking the government to provide this evidence. Uh, that, that's just not on. Yeah. Like you say, what's wrong with the honesty? Why can't they just show it and then deal with it? And, 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 and if there's something wrong, fix it. Yeah, Hiding things really, really doesn't fix problems. It just makes them worse. No, it just makes them worse. Who wanted to come in there? Was it you, Steve? No? No, you didn't want to come in there? And every other time? I thought you were going to make a statement about, about the podcasters' union. Oh, well, yes, yes. Obviously, George has been in touch and everything seems to have been remedied in full. Oh, you should be, uh, so you should be getting uh, Joylin Morn to actually support you on that. But you see, the thing is, where the government have a deep pocket, I have a deep well. And well, it's not coming to the surface and that's it. Well, the thing is, an agreement has been achieved and reached. <laughs> and um, George from the Podcasters Union for Broadcasters. Oh, yes. He did actually say, um, he did make a little bit of a comment that um, whilst he's been involved in unions for over 40 years, he'd never actually heard of pub. Um, <laughs> he did also state it was in the figment of people's imaginations, but he'd go along with it and he's actually solved the issue. So everything now is in good accord. Is that right? Okay, I'm yes. going gonna, gonna to give way to, uh, to to Mark there. Go ahead, Mark. Is that, is that why you've been allowed to speak uninterrupted tonight, Steve? <laughs> it, appears to, it, appears, it appears to have gone very... Oh, yeah. Well, uninterrupted. Somebody get muted there. 
I'll be back onto the uh, the union shortly. Now, <laughs> I'll just make another comment on this, actually, because the other two uh, members of the uh, team here tonight have not actually joined pub as yet. And uh, they've missed an opportunity because the membership fees were only £5 a month up until last week, and now they're, they're £20 a month. So they need to get a move on because the costs are rising fast. So so the membership is one at the moment then, is that right? <laughs> oh, no, there's many of us. There's many of us. We don't declare the numbers. All right, okay. So that's like a key secret. Can we get Joylin Morn onto that one and get a judicial review on Bob? <laughs> to get the numbers out into the public yeah. domain. Well, okay. We just would like to make a brief comment on this, actually, because an agreement has been reached. You will have noticed, of course, that tonight, due to the fact that things are much more cordial in terms of no interruptions, actually, the other side of the argument has also been uh, addressed, and there is no creaking chair, you will have noticed. Oh, my word. So, George has done a tremendous job. What have you done with your old friend, mate? We'll give a shout out. Oh, it's still here. It's still here. Can't be thrown away. You didn't harm your old friend, did you? No. no. Uh, well, the, the the old chair will just be uh, upcycled. You know. And, otherwise, um, the woke amongst our listeners will be saying, "Why are you doing harm to wood or metal? <laughs> Fight for the metals' rights." Well, I do a lot of uh, recycling and I like mending things and looking after things. I've nearly completed a bike, which I've had for 35 years. It's been renovated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the bike? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got wooden it's, wheels. It's got square wheels. <laughs> is, it a penny, <laughs> is it a penny farthing, Steve? <laughs> no, don't. Oh, dear. I do invite these problems from you a lot on occasions. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much. No, it's a British Eagle bike. I've recycled this thing. I've right. uh, renovated it in full. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, it's thirty-five years old. I rode to, from uh, Manchester to Blackpool on this, in a charity ride. I think it was in about nineteen eighty-eight with some, uh, a friend of mine from work and my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I remember right, there's about eight thousand people in this cycle ride. It was a fabulous day back in the day. I've just got one question: How did all three of you manage to get on the bike? <laughs> quite tricky on a penny farthing isn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah okay on more serious things um i there is a another story that i wanted to put out that is that uh nazir afzal who is the former prosecutor for the cvs he was the guy if you remember he was the one that brought down the rochdale grooming gangs And he's instructed his lawyers to see if there's evidence to prosecute Boris Johnson for misconduct in public office. Now, I I don't know how far that's going to go at all. But uh, that man, Nazir Afzal, that guy's no fool. He's no fool at all. So I don't know how far that's going to go. But go ahead, Mark. Potentially another million pound of public money (laughs) being used to cover it up. Well, what it is, I guess, you know, those, those are, those are my uh, national issues in brief, you know, who's, who wants to go next, Steve? Yes. Thank you. I just want to bring a couple of positives to everything that's going on in the, in the world that we live in at the moment, which a lot of people are thinking now beginning to find a little bit of a strain. So a couple of little positives um, regarding the developments of our country post Brexit. And uh, first of all, Nissan have uh, reaffirmed their commitment to the UK, and they've actually stated that Brexit gives them a competitive advantage. That's the first one. Also, this week, JCB have announced 400 new jobs, although at the moment they're agency jobs. They've also committed, I understand, to 300 current agency workers to be taken on on a full-time basis. So JCB, a fabulous British company, is actually now having a growth spurt and they're investing in further jobs and opportunities for people. I just think we need to start looking at a few of the positives going on around our country. And and we're not really seeing, in my view, this being too heavily reported on across the country. And I think it's a little bit of positivity. I'm very keen on emphasising the positive at the moment, especially because I saw a report this week which was indicating that young people under 25 are now becoming very concerned about the current situation and as a knock-on effect, 
what they're thinking about for their long-term future. Now, that is something I want to talk a little bit more about in detail next week, and I'm going to talk about a few things going forward and a few nice messages for young people uh, next week on, on that subject of young people, their well-being, and focusing on a positive future going forward. And obviously, I was going to mention the vaccine issue with the European Union and, and how we've dealt with that in a positive way, but we've covered that earlier. So that's just what I want to say on the uh, national issues at the moment, and we need to start looking and emphasising the positive things going on around the UK. Okay, Trev, your national issues, sir. Well, as regards to national, um, I mean, I've got a lot to say on local stuff. Well, not so much local, but local a week. So the national, I mean, it's just again COVID, isn't it? I mean, this is it's basically haunting our lives at the minute. I, I'm, I'm just I'm getting quite distressed about all the different issues we're getting. We're getting professors saying we've got to you know, keep this lockdown. We've got other people saying we've got to stop the lockdown. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, there's lots of conflicting uh, opinions coming out. And it, it, I, I think, I, I know it's getting me down. Go ahead, Trevor. No, sorry, I, I know it's getting me down. So it must be getting a lot of people down. Yeah, well, it's very difficult to make an educated decision. Go ahead, Mark. Just a quick yeah. one. Well, how about we, uh, one way to solve the problem, should have a referendum. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> a referendum another one another yeah, one let's have another one the last one was four months are we going to call this one a once in a lifetime referendum we might get out of these lockdowns by like i don't know 2025 or something this way so you know i i have to say that i i saw one of those memes i have to mention it again and it's one of the children i think the child is something like about nine years old and they're sitting on a park bench and the child turns around to the grandfather and said, can we have a McDonald's, granddad? And the grandfather says, if you can spell it with all the online learning you've been getting during the lockdown period, we'll go get you one. And the little lad turned around and said, to hell with it. Let's have a KFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, there you go. English during lockdown. Anyway, a little bit of hilarity. Uh, Steve, you wanted to come in. Go ahead. Yes, I just want to say that I think we perhaps could do a little bit of a piece on suggestions for people going forward on how they can handle the current situation. And I've been talking recently amongst ourselves about uh, maybe a 12-month plan on in terms of making sure everybody's shored up with their finances. And I think we could throw a good uh, few positive suggestions out there for people and families and, and different age groups on how they can sort of deal with the situation going forward. Uh, I'm very much in the same frame of mind at the moment, like Trevor, because I would like nothing more at the moment than heading out to a beach and having a walk on a beach or something like that or getting out enjoying the fresh air more and, and things like that, generally having the ability to make a choice ad hoc on getting up on a day off uh -huh. and deciding we'll go here or, or there or wherever. And we don't have that. So I think we could maybe give a bit of a thought for next week and, and between us all and invite other people if they wish to throw some ideas into the mix on how people can prepare themselves in advance mentally and in other ways uh, to deal with this, because I think we're all of the same view now. We, we've no real idea how long this is going to be going on. Well, people have been getting in touch. They have been getting in touch, and they have been giving us their views. And we will be, we will be allowing their views to come forward in such a way that um, they are having a say. The, the thing is, you have to be fair to the different areas. That's the, that's the problem. But so many people do want to come in and say a few things. Trevor, I believe we had a few people talking about what was going on in Warrington, which I believe is your, your local issue, and that's about the, the University of Chester Padgate campus and a potential move to Warrington Town Centre. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's this week's big, uh, big story. It, it's about the relocation of um, Padgate campus. Mm -hmm. uh, over the last couple of years, became uh, uh, involved with Chester. Um, so it's now Chester Padgate Campus. Now, it's been on this particular location for about 80 years now. Yeah. And Warrington's regenerated its 
town centre lately at the cost of like, uh, I think it's about £142 million pounds spent on it. All right. Now, they've had no further footfall on it. Uh, and I think I, I can see one side of it where they want to now relocate it in the town centre so that students will be over in there and that'll, that'll help to regenerate the town centre. I can see that side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I'd, uh, you know, the current, the current campus site, I mean, it's got uh, playing fields on it. The local Warrington uh, rugby team uh, do a lot of training there, so uh, they're going to have to relocate as well. Okay. Uh, and it's been proposed now that they suggest that, you know, they're going to knock this down, move everybody into the town centre, relocate them in these empty uh, offices and premises that they have that they can't fulfil for whatever fill for whatever reason they have. And uh, they're proposing now building 200 houses plus on the site of the old campus. Uh, now, they've just, uh, anybody that knows the area, they just revamped uh, what's called Birchwood Way. They've spent millions to ease the traffic problems in the area, Fernhead. They've spent millions and they've just finished it. Uh, strangely enough, just before an up-and-coming election. But anyway, I don't think that's anything to do with anything. Are you sure, sir? Are you sure? No, no, I, no, I wouldn't like to uh, suggest anything. And um, yeah, they spent millions on that to ease the congestion. And now it looks like they're going to build 200 properties plus which is already it's already a congested area. Yeah, you know you couldn't you couldn't write this stuff. Yeah, you really couldn't. I don't. I, I just don't know who's behind this. I don't. You know the local council. I don't. I don't know. I'll give up. I'll just give up. Um, some ideas are great. Some are absolutely disastrous. But sorry, ninety-five percent are disastrous, and <laughs> a few percent's great. In your opinion, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We know that you have such a high opinion of Warrington Council. We know that you do. Yes, I do. I do. You know, and yeah, also... You that up, have you? Yeah. And uh, what of your your MP? Is there any word from um, Charlotte on that matter? Uh, not at the moment. She spends... She's been in Parliament again this week doing quite a bit of chatting. Oh, yeah. Um, to an empty Parliament, sorry. I mean, there's nobody in there. It's just herself. Um <laughs> And she just chats to the parliament about various issues. Sure, I'm sure the deputy speaker would have been there or the speaker. I'm sure there would have been. It would have been probably a substitute for the deputy speaker. <laughs> a substitute for the substitute. But anyway, it seems to me, I mean, I can only see uh, the lady in question just chatting to herself. But anyway, that's that, we, we don't want to go about that, do we? So it's a lot of money being spent on the possibility of moving this uh, campus into the town centre. And building houses. Yes. Yeah. Is it going to happen? I think it's, well, I'd say it was planned five years ago. Uh, would I dare say that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. Um, and where's the money coming from if Warrington is in debt? What's that, sorry? Where's the money coming from if Warrington Council is in debt? We just keep borrowing it. It doesn't matter. Well, that actually follows on with what everybody does within this country. They just keep on borrowing on assets. Well, there's this money tree, but it's several in Warrington, actually. You know, it was very interesting. Very interesting. It's just, uh, there's a link to it, and this is a quick one for you. And that is, with all these people selling out their catalogs, basically, all it is about is putting a very high value on the catalogs, knowing that probably in the future they're not going to earn very much through streaming, and then borrowing upon those catalogs to buy more catalogs and then it becomes basically holding up material it's a bit like um, councils being able to hold land from building upon and once you've got that kind of control of certain amounts of um, copyrights then you're in a pole position to do certain things with them because remember now the internet is nothing without the information that is passed on it and through it And if everybody remembers when Apple first brought out the iPod, they wanted to sell iPods. But what was the iPod primarily for? It was for putting music on and to listen to it and listen to your music. So without music, it wouldn't have had anything. So you have to ask yourself the question, is there a master plan going on to really, really take over all intellectual property? 
Although, can the word intellectual be applied to Warrington Council? Well, that is the $64,000 question. We're in pounds in this country. Pounds. I've, I've had this week, I mean, because I, I get contacted by people with, with the floods that we've had lately. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people, I mean, in, in this area, we, we can't get insured uh, because it's flood, flooded a few times over the, okay. over the years. So the insurance companies won't touch anybody. Um, they'll, they'll gladly insure them, but they'll take out the flood part of the policy. Yeah. And what's happened has been, I mean, again, it sounds as if I'm, I'm, I'm being major critical of, of just a one MP. Um, but it is actually the area where she's, um, you know, the MP for. And there's been a lot of criticism that she's not been in the area at all helping anybody. Okay. And again, we keep getting all these conflicting issues. You've got, you know, obviously you'll get the Labour side of it um, saying, oh, yeah, she's doing a great job. But the actual people that are suffering from this are just saying, the council are not helping us. They're, they're getting no sandbags. The majority of the sandbags were going to Warrington South. Yeah. These, these are facts. These are facts. This is not me being catty. Okay. These are facts. That's okay. Well, Trevor, then can you tell me? Because we've nominated you to give us our woke on the wild side. What is our woke on the wild side this week? Oh dear. Well, I hope we're not going to run too long on this one. <laughs> Go because ahead. my woke on the wild side this week is another local MP. Well, pretty local to us, which is uh, Lisa Nandy from Wigan. All right. A Wigan MP. She made a comment. She's lovely. Oh, she's lovely. She's lo- She's got a lovely face. She is lovely. And she, she's, she, she's, she's very warm. She's very warm. And Andrew Ma was asking her why she'd actually call Joe Biden woke. So she, she very condescendingly replied to him, I thought you might be baffled by that description. And she said, and I, I quote, this is what she said this week, on about Joe Biden. It means that he knows exactly who he is and what he stands for. And he's very comfortable with that. All right. So that's what woke means. That's what woke means. Well, I'm just, I just want to take this a little bit further, this, because and he is happy to stand up for and fight for the working classes in America and to stand up for the minority rights. He stands up for aggression from America's adversaries. Are we ringing any bells yet? Right? No. Now, get this bit. I love this bit now. And he looks out to the world and wants America to be an open, self-confident, tolerant country that plays a role on the world stage. Unquote. Okay. She's part of the Labour government that tried to stop us leaving the EU to do just that. Yeah, 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 I, I get it. They, they're just criticising themselves. Now, this is a woman that backs... This, this is lovely, this. This is the woman that backs... She's back in a campaign to change the name of the British Army to the British Peace Force. <laughs> <laughs> you get that? That's great, I, isn't it? Know, I, I, I'll repeat that. She's back in a campaign to change the name of the British Army to the British Peace Force. Would you give way yeah. <laughs> the British Peace Force? I, I like that. Would you give way to Mr. Ingram? He knows you're on a gallop, and he knows that he 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 can only just jut in. But go ahead, Steve. I know, I know. I think the plan, based on what Trevor is reporting here, appears to be to equip the British Army with tea and biscuits and the ability <laughs> to have a chat with people. I think that is obviously her. <laughs> way forward for the British Army. Go ahead, Mark. I think she might have to she might have to give the army a new motto. It could be something like the British Army fighting bigotry and oppression across the world. Yes. <laughs> led led by Jeremy Corbyn. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leading the charge. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, I'll just to clarify that. Woke originally <clears throat> well in the past it was a, it was to be aware or well informed. Okay. Uh, it's now been hijacked to basically to alert racial or social discrimination and injustice. I wonder who's hijacked that. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. Well, well I think. Let's reaffirm 
if the, 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 sorry, the left um, refer to the term on a regular basis these days. Well, their supporters just go around tearing down statues. Statues, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was just I mean, about. That's, that's I was, another, I was um, just about to say. So, your woke, yes. your woke on the wild side is Lisa Nandy. Lisa Nandy. All right now, does anybody have a public personality of the week, and it could be anybody? Anybody coming up with anything? Go on, Mark. Well, while no one's got one, I had one thing last week. What I forgot to say: Are we allowed comedians in it? Yes. Not that there's many who are actually funny anymore, but oh. John, John Bishop actually donated a hundred laptops the other week to his uh, old school in Cheshire. Ah, what a what a great gesture! I've nice. seen him live and stand up, and he's pretty, he's pretty good. Nice guy. I really do. I uh, you know I loved I, I loved John Bishop in the very beginning. I think he's gone a bit too mainstream. Mm. Okay. Well, that's the thing is, you, if you think that when you watch him on the telly, well, go and see him live. Well, well, okay, maybe not right now, but but when we finally are allowed to. Go out and play again. Go and watch him live. He's good. Is he good? I I, I yeah. wouldn't have any doubt. There's there's quite a few of them I, because when they're on when they're on television, you kind of lose that spontaneity and that interaction with the audience, you know, that they get, which is uh, which is funny, which is funny. Right. Well, let's go on. We're going to start uh, wrapping up the program now. We're going to get on to the shout outs that are going on. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. The hands are up. What is it? What is it, Mr. Ingram? Uh, I was just going to say, regarding local issues, I just wanted to mention Cheshire West and Chester Council. <gasps> really? Yes. Now, go ahead. We don't always agree with what our local councils do. And they do some good things, though. They do Absolutely. do some good things. I just want to mention, it's a, it's a small little point they've made on their social media page, which is to do with shopping and they're pointing out that um, a lot of people who like to get their shopping delivered are unable to get delivery slots with some of the supermarkets so what they've done they've highlighted there's a link on their page that people can now get a lot of their uh, groceries delivered by smaller local businesses and i think that's great because i think we can all be a bit guilty of supporting the big chains and everything else and we can sometimes go by the wayside to some degree on local businesses. So I think it's quite important, given everything going on locally, that uh, wherever we can, we can support local businesses. And they're pointing out that a lot of these little businesses locally now are offering a delivery service. So the details are on their social media page. Okay, well, that's great. Well, look, we're going to carry on now wrapping up the programme because I don't want the program going on for far too long. And I'm going to give my shout out of the week. And that is to Great Sutton Dental Practice, Dr. Jane Kerr and her colleagues down there. I think it's Lisa. Yep. Doing a great job. And I just wanted to let them know that. Okay. Anybody else with their shout outs? Go ahead. Trevor. Yeah. Um, sounds a bit flippant, but I am grateful. I want to shout out to the workers <clears throat> sent by my local council, to trim and maintain and manicure my back passage. <laughs> now, still going on about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this has been going on for four years. They've not trimmed it for years. Oh, you mean somebody came out and did it? They've actually, they're in the process of doing it at the moment, yeah. All right. Now, I've had four years of strife over this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, myself and lots of neighbours, we've been there, you know, like I say, I'll just explain to Cheshire what's been happening. So your neighbours are interested in your back passage as well? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my back passage is infamous. It's all over the council. Okay. There's pictures of it everywhere. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So they finally come down. They finally... Um, now, again, I mean, I mentioned it earlier on, but is there an election coming up? Something like that, yes. It might be put off until September. It might be put off until September, so let's not... Uh... And that's why they've not finished it then. That'll explain it. So, yeah, what I'm trying to explain to Cheshire, basically, is I've been... Uh, myself and the neighbours have been in this... Uh, we live in a block of six houses, and there's a small passage to the rear. Right. Um, which we've been trying... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but it does tickle me. There's a passage to the rear that I've been trying to get trimmed and manicured for the last four years. Okay. And they've come out with every possible excuse... Uh, but but they, they finally come round to my way of thinking. And we get in there. We get in there. Why don't you send a picture of your back passage to your local MP, Charlotte? Oh, she's seen it. She's seen it. 
She's seen it. Yeah, the council have seen it. And what did she say? She just said, well, it's unadopted. <laughs> I've never okay. got to the bottom of that. So, so there you go. There's, <laughs> there's your shout out for that. She's in hiding. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Go on, Steve. Yes. Who's your shout out for? Can I ask, Trevor, is your back passage in such a state that nobody at the council wishes to address the matter? It seems that way, because the well, pictures have been passed around. I, th I think every councillor in Warrington see my back passage. Well, I hope you get this unpleasant experience remedied quite quick. Go ahead, Steve. It's looking good. It's looking good. <laughs> I mean, I'm be positive for the week, but I'll just throw it in before we do. Go on. I can now see the houses uh, across from my back passage. <laughs> I haven't seen them for years. Very good. Steve, what's your, what's your shout-out? Who's your shout-out for? Uh, mine is for Cheshire Western Chester Council for doing some of the little campaigns they've done for supporting local businesses. There's a lot been going on for the support of people struggling with mental health, which I think is a big issue in my view across the area at the moment. Okay. Um, so I think that that's where I would like to sort of throw a bit of a, an acknowledgement to this week. Okay, now save save your positive for the outro. Mark, what what's your shout out this week? Have I got time for a shout-out and a positive, yeah? Yep. You can save your positive for, for the outro. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll give a shout-out to all delivery drivers and uh, charity workers who've literally, they've not cowed in fear of this daily death toll. They've gone out there and done the job and made sure everyone's fed and had the medicine and everything. And as I say, some of them are doing this for nothing, so um, thanks to them, really. I get it. Well, in that case then... Let's start wrapping up the program, gentlemen. Okay. Steve, you're positive for the week. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. It's a quote by Napoleon Hill, which is, victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. And I'm going to donate that and acknowledge that to all the people struggling with their their mental health issues and their perceptions of their future that lies ahead. Never give up. There's a positive future out there for you. Okay. Trevor, you've already given you a positive, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, my back passage is getting better by the day. Okay. Mark? Yeah, I, I, we touched on statues for the chain. Statues are going up rather than being turned... Turn, Taken know, down. Torn down by mobs, it would appear that a schoolgirl raised £80,000 to put up a statue of Mary Anning, the paleontologist. Okay. That's well, mine is a quote from Dave Allen, the comedian. And I always remember it. He used to say, Thank God I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. We'll see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Bye.